Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. The Bible does tell us that heaven and hell are real places. And while we don't know exactly and literally what they look like, there is some small imagery that we've gotten from the Bible and from Scripture that teaches us what it might be like. The images that we see in movies are generally based on our imagination. They're our fiction. They're from what we imagine it would be. And while we don't know what each of them look like, each of them serves a purpose. And so the thing to understand today, and this is sort of the crux of our entire message today, is to understand, to really understand what the purpose of them is, is that we have to view ourselves We have to view our human history, all of us together, in the context of the story that God is writing about our existence and what he desires for each of us and for the entire of creation. You see, there was a design that God created the world with. He he said in Genesis chapter 3, we can see it in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, we actually see what life was supposed to be like. It was supposed to be simultaneous living. It was supposed to be us and God living on earth together, mingling together, having communion, regular. When I say communion, I don't mean like the grape juice and the, and the bread. I mean communion, like community. I mean, God designed our world, our life, our very existence to be in relationship where when I was going to work or I was getting up or I was going to a baseball game, that God was there, that, 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 that there wasn't this separation between us. He designed it to be this great thing. And so, but the problem is, is that very early into our story of human beings, this human existence, that this story that God was writing took a turn. And we, we made a choice that we wanted to kind of do our own thing. I mean, there was, with that design of how God said, this is the way life should be, this is how I created it to be, we made a choice and said, I kind of think I want to do it this way. And that ultimately resulted in, in self-centeredness and selfishness. And, and that caused us to unfortunately lose a place in that great intimacy and in that great connection with our God. In the beginning, this is what happened. You read it in Genesis chapter 3. You see that we ultimately were in a place where we made a choice and ultimately became uh, cursed to where we couldn't be living with God anymore in, in the same space, where we couldn't, we couldn't have that kind of great community with our God that we, that we were designed to have. And so this is what resulted in separation. And this is, what, this, is, this is where heaven and hell came from, okay? This idea is that there was, because of our free will and our choice, the willing choice as humanity that we have made to rebel against God, ultimately, he had to separate from us in that intimate closeness way because God is a holy God. He's perfect. And so we resulted in the schism of our realms and that's where heaven and hell came to be. I mean, these places didn't exist before because God was on earth. Heaven had no need to be in some other place. It was all of this was considered heaven because it was perfect. It was perfectly God's will on earth just like it was in heaven. So there wasn't a schism there, but because of our separation, because of our selfishness, we ended up becoming separated out. And so from that time on, we have lived completely separated and unable to connect with our God. But thankfully, God had a plan. He had a restoration promise. So he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came to earth, showed us back again what the design of life was supposed to be like. He died on a cross, which was the ultimate capital punishment of the time. So in our world right now, 
You know, in our, in our free society, capital punishment at its worst is an electric chair or, or the gas chamber or maybe, uh, you know, like uh, lethal injection. In other parts of the world, capital punishment is hanging. Capital punishment is the firing squad or even in some fringe elements we see on the news is beheadings and horrible, horrible things like that. And Jesus took the worst of it. He died on a cross. It was crucifixion. I mean, it was torture and the death penalty all in the same, in the same mechanism. And so that, that act of Jesus coming to earth, living a perfect, sinless life, showing us back, hearkening us back to say, this is where we went wrong and showed us where we went wrong. Ultimately, Jesus dying on a cross was the, was the symbol of his sacrifice, his willingness to lay himself down to course correct everything for us. And he resurrected from the grave. The Bible tells us he came back to life, which is insane, which is crazy that that happened, that he, that he was filled with, with the Holy Spirit and was resurrected and he overcame death. This is important to understand because the day that we rebelled against God as a, as a human species, the day that we chose to have our own self-centered ideas was the day that death became our master. That was the day that we became mortal. That was the day that we could no longer live in harmony forever with God and something had to be done. And I love this about God is that he was not willing to let us live forever in the same way that we were, broken and in pain. He sent his son Jesus to fix the problem. And so he had a plan. He had a plan to make things right, to restore everything. And that is what heaven and hell is really about. So Ephesians 1, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to pull out. We're going to kind of go through a different couple of verses today to kind of explore the concepts of heaven and hell. And this is sort of the set it all up, okay? This is this plan that, that God has. And it says, and this is the plan. How do I know this is the plan? Well, it just literally told me. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything on earth and heaven. I mean, so it can't get any more bold faced than that. It's black and white, okay? We have a problem. We see it. Houston, we've got a problem. We are separated from God. And the only answer to this is to fix it, to bring it all back under, under Jesus' authority, okay? And so we're talking about design and choice. I want you to understand this. This is sort of the rest of our message is going to be designed, is going to be kind of pulled around this concept. Design and choice. God's design for us. What God wants from humanity. The story that he's writing now is about trying to get it back to where he wanted it to be. You see, here's the thing. You'd be like, but if God is God, why is it that he made a story where we could fail? Well, because he gave us free will and because God's a gentleman. I mean, how, you, you couldn't have free will and be made to love God. He wants you to choose. And he showed us this beautiful world that we could live in. He showed us this amazing design of what life should be like and the value system that we should live by and how if we lived it and treated each other that way that we wouldn't have all the problems that we have. But we do. And so, that's, so the problem is, is not just about the design. The problem is our choice and the things that we do, the choices that we make. So for the rest of this, this message, I want you to, to view it through the lens of the design that God has for us and the choices that we can make. So let's first talk about heaven. What is heaven about? If heaven and hell exist, what is the purpose of heaven? Well, the answer is this, and you can write this down in your program, is that heaven is God's design for restoration. Heaven is God's design for restoration. 
Now, that means that, like we said, that we messed up, we had a problem, and God wants to pull us back. He wants to, he wants to reset the equation and bring us back to where things are right again, where we don't have this horrible pain and problems and struggles that we deal with in life. He's trying every day now to pull us back, and his, part of his plan is restoration. Heaven is the place where God's will is being done perfectly. Now, think of this, okay? You may be like, how, how do I know that? Well, have you ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That tells me that what happens in heaven is God's will, which is God's design, which is what God wanted for us. So heaven is the picture of the things to come. Heaven is God's design for restoration. So when we made that choice to to pull away from God's design, he had to create a separate space that was away from us so that he couldn't be contaminated by the sin and the rebellion in our lives. And so heaven became the place, the beacon, the one spot, the one place that was designed to keep God's purity and his holiness. And he said, this is the bastion of hope. This is where I will bring all things back to this place. One day I'm bringing it back. So it's God's design for restoration, but it's also a couple other things. The first is that it is a destination of rest. Destination of rest. It is a place of, of rest for us after we die. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 1. It says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, that we will have a house in heaven. So it's a place of rest. I mean, this is the most common concept, okay, of heaven. People say, well, after you die, I go to heaven. Yes. So you've toiled all through life, and now you go to a place of rest. And it's true. There is a, a home waiting for us in heaven after we, uh, after we die. And so it is a destination of rest. It's also a place of peace, a place of peace. Luke 23, 43 says, And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will live with me in paradise. So not only is it a place of rest, it's a place of goodness. It's a place of peace. We already covered that, that God lives there. His holiness is there. His perfection is there. And later on, we're going to find a verse that talks about how there is no pain. There is no disease. There is no sadness. There's none of that there. It is a place of peace and happiness. It's also a vehicle of restoration. So this kind of goes back to the beginning piece that we talked about, where it is God's, God's design for restoration. Well, it's also the vehicle of restoration, Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 13 says this, But we are looking forward to new heaven and new earth, he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but if you look around in our society right now, does it seem like a world that is filled with God's righteousness? Probably not. I would say no. So this is a future state that we're looking forward to. It is a vehicle of restoration. So I want you to look at it this way. Heaven is the current reality of the coming future. It is the current reality, okay? It is God's restoration in action in heaven. It is perfect there. God's kingdom is in its 100%ness in heaven, okay? And it is the coming future for us. So when we pray, and I want you to understand, this is, this is an important nugget to understand as a Christian. When we pray, the, the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus told us, his disciples asked him, he said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, say this. He said, our Father who's in heaven, so you're praying to God, hallowed be your name, holy. Let him know who he is. Worship him for it. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying there is bring your restoration power that is in its perfection in heaven to earth in my marriage, in my family, with my kids, with my neighbor, at my job. Use me to bring your perfection and reality to this world. Until God chooses to fulfill 2 Peter 3, where we just read that the new heaven and the new earth will come, and when all of this stuff comes and God finally, you know, it hit, that, that ticker mark hits the 99% and flips over to 100%, until that happens, God chooses to partner with us to bring his kingdom. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, when we talk about that, what we're really saying is God wants to partner with each and every one of us to bring the reality of heaven, the goodness, the great things, the perfection, the healing, the lack of sadness, the disease that is being gone. He wants to bring that into our lives so that we can help other people know what is happening and what he wants for us. That's amazing. It's powerful. Heaven is a vehicle of restoration. It is a place of peace, it is a place of rest, but it is primarily about restoration and what God is doing in the future. So you go, that's great! This is amazing. Wow, heaven sounds awesome. And it is. But what about hell? Why? What the heck is hell about? Well, restoration cannot happen with remnants of corruption being present. I mean, think about that. If you're trying to clean up something, It's not clean until the dirt is gone. You cannot have restoration until you clean out the things that are corrupt, right? I mean, it makes sense. So what is the purpose of of hell? If heaven is the design of restoration, what is hell about? Well, hell is God's expelling of evil. It is removing the corruption. It is the cleaning house, the setting things right. It is the place that is required in order so that God can bring things back to what he wants it to be like. So here's some things about hell, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Hell is, not only is it the expelling of evil, it is a complete separation from God. It's complete separation. How do we know that? Matthew eight twelve says, but many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, this is sad, was prepared for them, They will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness gives the impression of complete separation, doesn't it? I mean, if we know that God is light, God is light. That's what he is. He's described as light in Scripture. And when we say, let's light a candle at the end of our service to shine God's light, or when we're committed to do that, if you're thrown into outer darkness, that means that there is no light. That means you are separated from the thing that God wants for you. Complete separation is what hell is about. Outer darkness. It's also a permanent penalty. Matthew 25, 46, this is Jesus talking. He said, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, here's the thing about, about hell, about the theology of hell. There are a lot of different um, interpretations or beliefs about the concept of hell. But one thing is, is true that Scripture never paints a picture of, is that there is any, any escape from it. Some people believe, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, and I don't want to get into, into these theologies because it's not the point, but some people believe that when, when you're judged and you are sent to hell, that eventually the fires of hell will destroy your soul and you will cease to exist. 
Others, um, you know, believe more the traditional way, which is that, that when you are sentenced to that punishment because of the choices that we've made in life, that that's just the way it is for you for the rest of eternity. But one thing is clear in Scripture is that there is no escape from it either way. And so not only is it a complete separation from God, it's a permanent punishment one way or the other. And the thing that you need to understand about this, and this is not a fun topic, who wants to talk about this? But the thing to understand, because you'd be like, man, that sounds so unfair. It's complete separation from God, and, it's, and it's, it's a permanent penalty. But you need to understand that it is also the result of choice. Remember what we talked about, the design and choice. The design of God is wanting us to live in perfection and wanting us to have hope and life and to be restored and brought back into community and into relationship with God. But our choices are what determine our destination. I mean, think about it this way. What kind of a God would he be if he were a perfect and loving and holy God? How could he possibly allow something to last that, that separates him from, from people? And it's not like he can just be like, well, I can, I can stand 1% of sinfulness. No, like he has to separate himself completely. That's why there is a separation from earth. That's why the heavenly realms were created. But if he were to be the God that says, I promise I'm bringing all things back, I'm restoring all things, but he also still wants to have free will, he wants to have people choose because he's going to let people choose regardless, even if it means that they're choosing their own destruction. I mean, it's so sad, but that's what he'll allow. It's a result of choice. And you have to understand that it's, a less, it's less about a vindictive punishment and more about a separation because of choice. God is not looking at you. And this is, I think, the picture we often see is that, is that you know, there's God laughing. Ha ha, I'm sending you to hell. Get out. Boom. And like knocks you down. And like that's what he wants. That's not at all. It's a choice that we've made, an unfortunate choice. And This is not God's desire for us. It is absolutely not. It is the last option. And so there's a reason why the New Testament offers authors don't focus on hell. I mean, people are fascinated by it. And that's part of the reason why the movies that we have are so wide in variety, because there's just not a lot of information about it. But there's a reason. It's because it's not the point. Hell is not the point. I mean, I grew up in churches, and maybe you did too, where all you heard was fire and brimstone. Maybe that's all you ever heard, and and you got saved, and you found Jesus because you were afraid that if you didn't, that you'd go to hell. And, well, I don't want that. Nobody does. But that's not how the Bible is written. The Bible is written from a place of what Jesus did. It's written from a place of, of love. It's written from a place of restoration. And hell is an afterthought. It is the place that he wishes no one to go. In fact, in fact, hell was actually just really created for, for Satan and for the demons to be locked up into. They made a choice long ago to rebel against God. And that's, where, that's, that's the place that they are going to be. And heaven, hell was not created for human beings. But if, if we choose, then God as a gentleman will allow us to do what we choose. But it's not the point. The point is not hell. The story of God and man is about restoring creation. It's not about punishing it. And so it's all about Jesus. And I mentioned earlier that Jesus was the solution to the problem. Jesus was the one who came and said, I realize that there is no way for man, humanity, to be connected back to to my creator, to to God the Father. He said, so I will come. Jesus stepped out of heaven and showed us, again, kind of a glimpse, rediscovered what life was supposed to be like and said, listen, this is coming one day and I will make it happen. 
And because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, we have the ability now to reconnect with our Creator. And so I want you to understand this, is that Jesus' story is really about true life. It's about restoration. It's about salvation. And separation, hell, is ultimately an afterthought to the plan of salvation. And this is what I wrote. It is a reluctant result from a tragic choice. A reluctant result. There is no happiness involved. There's no, no, yay, I'm sending people to hell. It's, that's not at all it. It is a reluctant choice to a tragic, a reluctant result from a tragic choice. And how do you know that? Well, Ezekiel 18, 23 tells us, this is an old passage in, in the Old Testament in the Bible and says this. This is God talking. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Says the sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. There's another passage of Scripture that we don't have here where it says that God desires for all men, all men to come to know him, to the knowledge of Christ. All. So if I'm reading that correctly, that means that, that he doesn't want any person, not a single person, to experience the separation and penalty of hell. That's not the point. The point is not about destruction. It's not about sadness. It's about Jesus and the restoration that he has. And so Jesus' death and resurrection was the reset button. You might remember when we first started our church back in March, the next month we had a series called Reset, and it was all about this. It was about the idea that when Jesus came and died on the cross, his resurrection was the thing that reset the board. So if you think of a computer and how sometimes when it crashes, you have to reset it, you know, and restart, reboot it, okay? This is what Jesus was doing. When Jesus came, up until that point, there was no way for us. The plan of God to restore all of creation was Jesus. And so he did. And Revelation 1.18 says this, I am the living one. This is Jesus. He says, I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Now, why is the resurrection so important? Because remember how I told you that from that one moment when we made the decision to rebel against God, that death became our master? Well, now, when Jesus resurrected from the grave, he overcame death because no one up until that point had ever done it. And Jesus did. And so he not only is the reset, but like a computer, since that day, we are rebooting and the new software is now running to restore back to factory intent. I mean, so this makes sense to us, right? If you have an iPhone or you've got a computer and something happens and it gets a virus and it messes it up, you've got to restore it and you've got to install new software to rewrite over the, the, the bad code, the virus that's in there. And that's what is happening when we decide to follow Jesus. His spirit comes inside of us, it lives inside of us, and it rewrites code in our hearts to cause us to be closer to the restoration of what God is doing. It starts with the restoration of our soul. Our souls are dead. They are corrupted. They're diseased with sin. And when we follow Jesus, his spirit comes and makes us alive. The reset button is hit in our life, and we are rebooting in our whole society, our whole world. And the kingdom of God is advancing by the church, by us, and we are part of God's plan to reboot. We are a part of that little status bar that is pushing forward, pushing forward. We're part of that thing. Revelation 21.5 says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. I mean, there is so overwhelming evidence 
that that's God's plan is for us to not stay where we are, but to be restored and be brought back into wholeness, into life with Jesus. So what does our future look like? Well, while heaven and hell are real places and they matter, the point is really about participating in the story that God has written and is still writing today. It's not designed for fear. It is designed for hope. It's designed for hope. We are all in process, all of us, and God wants to bring us back to the beginning. So in the beginning, I mean Genesis chapter 3, that place of simultaneous living, that place of communion with him, that place of, of, of what is available to us, and we can already see glimpses of it. I mean, there are days where as Christians we feel close to God, right? There are days where we feel connected to him, and then there are days where we just feel like I'm as far away from him as could be. The, there's a, a song that was written by by a band called Delirious, and there's a song called Obsession. And it's all about this, this world, this struggle of, there are days where I'm obsessed and my sin, just my rebelliousness, my selfishness overtakes me. But then there are other days where you're closer to my skin, he says. And this is the world we live in, that we're not fully restored, that God's spirit lives inside of us and we have the ability to reconnect. We can talk to our Father in heaven because of Jesus but there are still days where our sin takes over, where, it, it, where we do the things we don't want to do, you know? And so we're moving through this. We're all still in process. And the picture of the future reflects our past. Ultimately, God wants us as human beings to get back to the garden. He wants us to get back to the place where we are living, where we don't ever feel like God is far away from us. And there's a picture of it, a beautiful picture of it in Revelation. Revelation 21, this is the last book of the Bible. Verses one through four. And I want you to listen to this. It's beautiful. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse three, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You see, God has always wanted the same thing. Always. From that day in the garden, we were walking with him and we made the choice to do our own thing and our lives had never been the same. God has been calling us back into a relationship with him every single day. He has been looking for the same thing. I have a plan to get us back to that place. And he promises to make it happen. And again, this is not about fear. This is about hope. God's love and his desire assures us of salvation. That's the beauty of it. Every one of us has the ability to enter into his kingdom, to enter into his hope, to enter into that rest and peace, and to become part of the restoration story. His love for us cannot be defeated. And this is where we're going to end tonight. Romans chapter 8 talks about God's love in verse 38 and 39. The band, if you guys want to come on up, you can come up here. And it says this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so it's all about choice, isn't it? There's not a single thing that can keep us from that restoration that God has promised for all of us except ourselves. We are it. We are it. So my challenge for you today is this, is choose God's plan. Choose it. I mean, it's just, it's simple. It's Jesus. Jesus. Would you guys stand with me as we kind of wrap up today? God's plan is Jesus. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a hard concept for people to understand because they feel like they have to be right before they come to God. They feel like they've got to do a certain number of things. Maybe you were taught that growing up in church. Maybe the church that you grew up in told you had to say certain prayers, you had to do certain acts of penance, and sometimes that's even where the concept of purgatory and those types of things comes from. It's that you have accumulated a certain number of sins in your life, and before you can enter God's peace and God's rest and restoration, that you have to burn that stuff off like calories. And that is not what God says. Romans 10, 9, very clearly. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Just believe. So when we think about heaven and we think about hell, it sounds so so big and so and sometimes can be fearful and that's why I try to steer us away from that that is not the point the point is not about hell it is not about destruction it's not even about heaven it's about Jesus the whole plan the whole idea is to get us back to a place where we can have a relationship with the God that created us the way he originally designed it to be in all of its perfection and no matter how good our lives might be No matter how good my job is, no matter how good my my paycheck is, no matter how happy my family is, no matter how much education I have, the house that I live in, the neighborhood, the restaurants I go to, no matter what you've got, it is only going to take you so far and ultimately is not part of God's design until you know his son, Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way back to what God wanted for us. And so the challenge was just follow God's plan. And that begins with Jesus. Just deciding to follow Jesus. And that scripture laid it out for us. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead. And why is that important? Why is it important to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? It's because if you believe that, it means that you believe he is the master over death. It means that he is the one who has the ability to set the problem and correct it. You can believe that Jesus was a good person, but if you don't believe that he was divine and that he was the one who mastered death, then you're just believing it as a fan. You know, you're just saying, yeah, I like him. But to follow him means to believe in your heart that he is the one who can set all of creation free. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. 
This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.